John 10, 10. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus, I pray that you help us today, Lord, to understand your very nature. Lord, what you came to do for us, that we would receive it, that we would apprehend it, Lord, and that we would do with it what you want us to do, Lord, to receive this. I pray that today would be a new beginning and a fresh start, not just because of the date on the calendar, but because you're showing up in this room today by divine appointment, knowing who is going to be here today, Lord, and to release us into our future and to what you have in store for us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody shout amen. 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 Look at somebody near you. Let them know you're glad they're here today. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, one morning, I was awakened out of a sound sleep with a booming voice from the Lord that was not audible. But yet, it was clear. And the Lord said this, Thou shalt live. It woke me out of my sleep, and yet it was not audible. It was authoritative. It was with purpose. It was filled with destiny, and I laid there awake out of a dead sleep, which isn't easy for me. Now, my wife is that person. She wakes up and she opens the blinds and starts singing and, and has a song for the day. And, and I, I just need a minute. And so in this time where the Lord said, Thou shalt live, I, I, it almost startled me. And I woke up and just things began to unfold. And just, just, just one thing after the other, the Lord was sharing with me and the Lord was showing me. And here's the bottom line, and, 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 and here's what I want to share with you today, that, 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 I, that I understood that I was not only the messenger, but, uh, but also uh, to this message, but that I was also the recipient. I knew this was a word for me, but it wasn't just for me. I knew that this was a word that the Lord was trying to give me, that he was trying to tell me that thou shalt live. And for those of you that don't know my history, the last three years have been just keeping my head above water. And I'm not talking about substantially above water. I'm not talking about having a life jacket on type of water. I'm talking treading water with all that I have, no life vest, just sipping air for three years. And the Lord is trying to get me to understand that those days are over. That it is time that you live the life that I have designed for you. <clears throat> I didn't ask for those three years. I didn't do anything to deserve those three years. I feel like I'm a pretty consistent guy. I feel like I'm a guy that consistently tries to bring glory to the Lord and try to walk in my destiny, try to walk in my calling, in my God-called purpose. I felt like I was the guy that was consistently trying to do the right thing. 
And yet it seemed like life had been dealing me some things that, that I was not uh, feeling like I was deserving of. I didn't blame God. I just simply just got up every day said, I'm going to push through today and hope that I make it. I'm going to do my best to make it past today. 24 more hours to try to do my best to bring glory to God. Can anybody relate? <clears throat> Yours might have been three weeks. Yours might have been three months. Might have been three years. That might have been the last 10 years. I'm just telling somebody today, thou shalt live. I'm telling somebody that it's time that we move forward, that God is giving us a message. I'm not just trying to give you a speech. I'm not trying to give you some positive mental attitude here. I'm telling you I have a rhema word from the Lord this morning that is telling this church and whoever will receive this today that your time is here, your time is now, and it is time to live the, the life that God has called you to live. It's not a rebuke. I didn't feel like I did anything wrong. I just feel like it's time. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time. Look back at your other neighbor and say, it's about time. It is about time. It's all about time. God's time in due season. Well, I believe our season is here. I believe it is his time now to begin to pour out his spirit and to take us into new areas and new territories. Does this mean that this, does this, mean that this is a, a year of just flourishing blessing for everybody in this room today? I don't know that that's the case. I'm not against that. What I am saying is I'm speaking to somebody today and some bodies, I believe there's more than one, that it is time that we have been faithful and it's time for God to take us into a new season of harvest, a new season of blessing, a new season of not feeling like you're just barely making it, but you're going to live in the abundant life that God wants us to, to have. I'm not talking about name it and claim it. I'm not talking about the prosperity doctrine where, where it's God's will for us to all drive Bugattis. I am talking about, though, living in blessing and living in productivity and living in a place where we feel the, the tangible presence and blessing of God. Amen. And not living in this constant, constant struggle of just trying to make it. The message was clear. If you're going to be alive, it's time to live. If I've given you the gift of life, then live it to the fullest. Your life will have trials, but live after what you have come through the trials. You have to live after you've come through the trials, then continue to live. Ecclesiastes 3 reminds us about seasons, and it shows us that there's an ebb and flow of loss and gain, grief and joy, war and peace. There is a time of loss and struggle, but there is also a time to live. There is also a time of blessing. There's also a time to flourish. There's also a time to be productive. Let me tell you what the enemy has done to me over the last three years, that even when something good would happen, it would just be the, the voice I would hear is, you better brace for impact because the next one's coming. I couldn't even live and enjoy the moments, the brief seasons where God was wanting to bless me because I felt like it's not going to last. 
It's not going to be very long. Better enjoy it while you can because the next, the next shoe's about to drop. And that's not God's purpose and that's not God's destiny. That's not what I read in this opening scripture in John 10. That I am come that you might have life. It didn't say little segments. It didn't say little spaces of time. Life and that you may have life and more abundantly. And I know that that spans our whole lifetime. I know that means eternity. I know that that also means here that we should have a better life as Christians. Does it mean it's going to be perfect? No. Does it mean it's going to be flawless? No. Does it mean it's going to be without trial and struggle and carrying our cross? No. But what it does mean is that we can live an abundant life through all of it and that there should also be some seasons where we do feel blessed, where we are flourishing, where we are productive, where we're not broke. And so we are being led into a season, if we will receive it, to where we say, I am ready for that abundant life. I am ready for that. I'm ready to live in that season. I'm ready to recognize it. I'm ready to see that the Lord is wanting to do something good for me. There's a time of loss and struggle, but there's also a time to live. A time to be blessed, a time to produce great things, a time to have great impact, a time to feel worth, a time to enjoy relationships, a time to move and operate in your God-called purpose. God is reminding us not just to be alive, but to live. There is a difference. I asked God, who's the messenger for this? He said, they will know it's for them because it will bear witness with them like it did for you. So you already know who you are. If this doesn't resonate with you today, then pray for the ones that it does, that they will receive it and begin to live again. So let's look at this thief. It's a person who steals another person's property, something that belongs to somebody else, something that belongs to you. The thief took what should have been for you. This definition goes on to say, especially by stealth or without using force or violence. And so many of us in in the last season, whatever your season is, have had things stolen. What, What were things that belonged to you? Your peace, your joy, your feeling of accomplishment, your feeling of being chosen, your feeling of having purpose and destiny. Your feeling of, of looking forward to the next thing God has for you. Stolen by a thief. We see in the very nature of God, He, he wants us to be abundant. We, don't, we, we can see it all over Scripture. Israel is going to be led to a land of plenty, right? Flowing with milk and honey, a place that they didn't plant. They didn't prepare that. It was already taken care of. All they had to do was walk into it and claim it. That's the nature of God. We go back to the Garden of Eden, Eden Adam and Eve. They're, they're in a garden where it says, freely eat. All we see is the judgment of God. But that wasn't God's fault. That was Adam and Eve's fault. If you'll look at the scripture, he he says, freely eat of every tree of the garden, except this one. It's a buffet, folks. Freely eat of everything. 
But if we're not careful, we focus on the one thing God says, no, no, don't eat that one. And we focus on that. And then the punishment and all that came with that. Wait a minute, let's not forget the abundance, the, the privilege of God. Let's not forget all that he laid out. No doubt acres and acres and acres of every type of tree and vegetable and fruit imaginable. Freely eat. That's the God we serve. And that's the, that's the abundant life that he has in store for us. Again, am I talking about a message free of carrying our cross? No, we have scripture for that. We will carry a cross. We, we, we will have struggle. We will have things. It rains on the just and the unjust. I could go on and on. But, but what we shouldn't be living right here. That is not his plan. It is his plan that as we go through those things, we go through with courage. We go through with strength. We go through with knowing that he's with us. No weapon formed against me will prosper. I am the head and not the tail. If God be for me, who can be against me? That's how I need to walk into 2023. That's how we need to walk through our trials. That's, that's the life that God has designed for us. That's where we're supposed to be walking, and that's how we are supposed to be seeing him. To steal to take something that doesn't belong to him. He's always been a thief. He tried to steal God's worship. God judged for it. Now he tries to steal from us. The thing that's the most precious to God is you. And so now if he can't steal anything else from God, he's going to try to steal from you. You want to try to hurt somebody? Hurt their kids. You want to see a guy turn into Papa Bear? Do something to his wife disrespect her, do something that makes him be very unchristian-like for just a moment, and then repent about it later. It brings down an instinct. Why? Because you can say things to me, you can do things to me, but when it comes to my wife and kids, it brings something out of me. And so what the enemy is doing is he's messing with God's children. He's messing with God's bride. He already stole, didn't really accomplish it, but he tried to steal God's worship, and he accomplished it with a third of the angels. He's a thief, and it's still in his nature today, still trying to th- take things that don't belong to him. Taking something, uh, you steal also by taking something you didn't pay for. You are bought with a price. But he wants to take us for free. He wants to, he wants to take things from you from free, the things that God paid for on the cross, the peace, the joy, the salvation, all those things he wants to take and steal from you. Depression and anxiety is on the rise. Fear. It is amazing to, 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 to drive past. I, I was parked, I dropped my wife off the other day just for a second, and there was one of these red box things where you rent movies. And I, and I was just looking at it. <clears throat> And I bet you 70% of them were evil, horrible, scary, supernatural, dark movies. We wonder why there's so much fear and anxiety in our world. I don't. Because we consume a diet of it. Not we necessarily, us, we as in the world. We love to be scared and frightened and then wonder why we're dealing with anxiety, fear, depression. Fear paralyzes us. 
Fear keeps us from, from trying again. Fear of relationships. You've been hurt. You've been wounded. And so fear keeps us from wanting to love again. It keeps us from wanting to, to spend our heart somewhere else. Because it was so painful the time before. Fear, fear keeps us from trying something. We tried something and it failed. It didn't succeed. So, so we're not going to try again. And it keeps us in a place where, where we don't try a new ministry or, or, or try something else with the Lord because the last thing didn't work out. And that's never God. Sometimes we win, sometimes we learn. And so we can't look at every loss as a true loss, but what did I learn from that? How do I move forward with that? Not be paralyzed by the fear and the things that will cause us to stop our relationships, stop our God-called purpose, stop what God has called you to do. Just keep you in a place of just sitting and just getting by. Just survive when you were built to thrive. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, and then it's interesting because right after that, he then lists three things. So he lists the spirit of fear, which means that there is a very spiritual component. It's not just what you've conjured up in your mind. Now, you can get yourself worked up, too, because what you focus, is, what you focus on is what you, what you give power to. And so if you focus on the scary thing, if you focus on that, then, then you'll become fearful of that thing. And you'll, you'll get so uh, um, um, in tune to that that you'll create your, your own fear. And I, I've talked to people that have anxiety and, and probably not nearly to the level that, that uh, Sister Jean has. But, but I've talked to some people and, and they've said, well, I'm, just, I'm, I'm afraid to go out of my house. I'm like, well, why? What, what are you afraid that's going to happen? Well, I'm just afraid. You know, but are you afraid to get hit by a car? Are you afraid that, that you're going to get robbed? What are you afraid of? And they can't hardly define what that is because it has become the fear of fear. <clears throat> the Scripture says that he's not given us the spirit of fear. <clears throat> and so with that, we have to understand that there is a very spiritual component with fear. That it can be a spirit thing. You can't, you can't medicate a spirit. At some level, you can't counsel a spirit. I'm t I totally believe in counseling. But there's some things that are spiritual that goes beyond counseling. There are some things that absolutely need counseling. If somebody's not processing, God can show up and do a miraculous work. But if somebody doesn't help you to process how you're thinking, then you can't receive the supernatural healing that God wants you to bring because you're not bringing your mind into harmony with what God's wanting to heal you from. Bringing to, to captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Let, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And so we have to, we have, to have a, a certain amount of skill set to make sure that our mind is in harmony with the Scripture and with what God is wanting to do in the supernatural. Otherwise, we keep inflicting ourselves with wounds that the Lord is trying to heal us from. And we continue to live in the rearview mirror when God's trying to get us to look at the windshield. 
God is doing his part. All you have to do is look at the prophet Elijah to find out that, that God wanted him to go back and take care of things in the palace and take care of Je- uh, Jezebel and, Je- and, uh, and Ahab. But instead, he's in a cave. Everybody say a cave. He was in a dark place. And the Lord says what? Why are you here? Well, because nobody loves me and everybody's turned their back on you. And that wasn't true. There was 7,000. The Bible says there's a set, there was a remnant of 7,000 that never turned their hearts against God. And even out of those that did, when he started calling down fire on the sacrifice that was full of water, they, they, they came back and repented and came back to God. Who caught the 450 prophets that he ended up slaying? He didn't run them down himself. Those people helped him, but in his mind, everybody mind, everybody say mind. In his mind, they're all out against me because one woman, Jezebel, said, I'm going to kill him. By the time God asked Elijah, why are you here? He says, nobody loves you. They are trying to kill me. Who's they? One woman says, I'm going to kill you. They are trying to kill me. And only I am left alone to serve you. Fast forward. The, the, the wind, the storm, the, the earthquake, the fire. And the Bible says, and he wasn't in it. Look at your neighbor say, he's not in it. Now look, I've read that for years, and, I, and, I've, and I've seen in my mind, yeah, he wasn't in it, but he caused it. The Bible said he wasn't in it. But he was with Elijah while he was in it. Now, there's a few causes of messes. Man, look at Joseph's story. What man meant for evil, God could turn it to good. The devil is always trying to get us. Sometimes it's harvest from seeds that we've planted a while back. God will use those things to bring correction. But we can't blame God for those messes even if he allows them. So he says, why are you here? The second time in the still small voice, why are you here? And he says the same thing all over again. He didn't have a spirit problem at that point. The Lord himself was talking to him audibly. He had a thinking problem. And he says the same speech all over again, and God says, go anoint three men in your stead to take your place. Because he couldn't in his mind get out of it. God has not given us a spirit of fear. <clears throat> so here's the opposite of the spirit of fear. He then contrasts it with power. Everybody say power. power. I have felt somewhat powerless over the last three years. Now I know in my mind I have power. God has given me power. I can, I can pray. And, and I have. I never stopped praying for people. I never stopped doing what I was called to do. I just didn't feel like I had the power because I didn't have the results that I wanted. He's not given the spirit of fear, but of power. Everybody say power. power. Love. Everybody say love. love. Here's how you know that you've been the person that I'm talking about right now. When you have felt powerless, you feel like you're doing the right thing, you're being a Christian, 
but but you just does you just haven't felt like you've had the power that you had. You you don't feel like you love people like you did, or maybe even love God. You know that you love Him, and and and, and but maybe you haven't felt the love of God. Maybe you you don't feel like you're lovable, like God really loves you. You've been going through so much, you don't really feel His love. The Bible says, "I've not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love." Even in your storm, you should be able to feel love. Even in your storm, you ought to be able to receive love from others. Even in your storm, you still ought to be able to have the capacity to love somebody else. That's how you know that you're the person I'm talking to right now. Because you have felt like you just have locked yourself off. You haven't felt loved. You've got friends, but you haven't loved with that deep, raw love that you used to have. And you haven't, you haven't given that raw love that you know that you're capable of. Nor have you felt that intimacy with God. Oh, can I just lift, can we lift our voices right now? I believe God. God right now is trying to crack something open in this place today. God, help us to have understanding. Give us revelation today. Lord, I believe you're trying to change somebody's life right now, that they will never be the same from this moment on, Lord. Lord, that it may not take a process, but today it busts open. Today, Lord, it cracks open. Today, something new happens. Everybody say power. Everybody say love of a sound mind. There were times I felt like I was losing it. I didn't share that with everybody. I I, I just felt like my my time was done. My season was done. My effectiveness was past. That maybe God had a new season for me. Maybe I'm supposed to do something else. But that's not of sound mind. What I finally had to wrestle with is all the things that were pointing to me being done. But I didn't have a rhema word from the Lord. You see, God called me into this. Nobody in their right mind wants to pastor. You don't have sound mind. If you just grow up saying, I want to do that, you have lost your, you need to go see Gene and schedule an appointment and get some counseling. You've got a thinking problem. There are a million better ways to provide for your family and and to, and to, to have a career path. But since God called me into this, and I left quite a bit to do this, in my opinion, something I was very happy and fulfilled doing, a career path I was very happy doing. Since God called me into that, man didn't. The approval of man didn't. The popularity of man didn't. For me to ever step out of this role, it will have to be God. Now, everything around me was saying, go, leave, abandon ship, go, you're hurting, you're the cause, you're the problem, you're the root. I mean, I can go on and on, but I didn't get the rhema word that got me in here. I didn't get the rhema word that says, Bill, now it's time. 
It's time for you to move on. It's time for you to do this. I'm now calling you out of this into this. And so I had to get up every day and gulp another little bit of air before the waves went up my nose and into my mouth. I'm telling you that God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to live there. He wants us to flourish and be what God has called us to be and to do what God has called me and you to do. And not let the circumstances dictate that. Not let people dictate that. Power, love, and a sound mind. He wants you to think you're losing it. He wants you to think you're crazy. He wants you to think you've made a mistake. Well, unless God moves you on, you keep doing what you're called to do. And you do it over and over and over. Kill, steal, destroy. That's what a thief comes to do. Destroy your marriage. Destroy your family. Destroy your income. Why would he come after your family? He doesn't necessarily care about your job. He doesn't care if IBM or Ford Motor Company succeeds or not. He could care less about stuff. <clears throat> what he's concerned about is, is, is tearing up your personal finances because it causes a lot of stress in the marriage. Why would, he, why, would he, why would he come against your marriage? Because it is the total representation of the Lord. He is our heavenly. We are the bride of Christ. If he's our heavenly father, then we are his children. So the whole model of what God has set up is modeled on the family. The family was established before the church. And so the, so the enemy's like, if I can destroy the family, anytime somebody comes to Cornerstone Christian Church and Pastor Pelham says, the Lord is your heavenly Father, there's going to be a few people that's going to get a twitch in their eye. Because they were fine when I was talking about how good God is, but when I said Father, somebody got a twitch. Because maybe they didn't have a good father situation. Pastor, I was with you about the goodness of God, but 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 when you said he's a good when you started singing he's a good, good father, I have I it took me back a little bit because when you say father, I have scars with that. When you have say father, I have some issue with that. What what the the, the family dynamics right now is is so diverse and and, and Christmas time and, 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 and children being dropped off. I grieve every, I, I don't even like to go past Walmart or, or McDonald's on Fridays. Because inevitably on, on, inevitably on a Friday, I'm going to drive by, I'm going to see a kid with a backpack getting out of one vehicle into another vehicle. And two people giving instructions. And watching a kid go to another house over the weekend. Am I criticizing divorce? I'm saying it's not initially God's plan. <clears throat> so many places to go to for the holidays. So many sets of grandparents. It, 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 it hinders the plan of God. I'm not preaching against anybody here today. I went through a divorce myself a number of years ago. So I get it. I understand. Don't, don't think that I've got this perfect life where I don't understand betrayal. 
I know it's bad for business. Some people feel like a pastor should have it all together to where he's the perfect example. But I, I understand the betrayal. I, I understand. Even while I was a minister, having somebody walk out, I, I get it. It wasn't God's plan. I get that too. But he wants to destroy. He wants to destroy your ministry. <clears throat> he knows he can't take it from you, so he'll try a thousand different ways to get you to quit it. Discouragement, distraction, misunderstanding, all kinds of things to try to get you out of your God-called purpose. And then he wants to kill. That's what the thief does. Suicide is on the rise. <clears throat> Please understand what I'm about to say is, is for us that are here today, not against anybody else. I will tell you that my, my cousin killed himself a number of years ago. We were six weeks apart on our birthday. We spent summers together. I miss him. He killed himself. Please, please hear me and, and never, never take such a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Amen. And, and with all, please understand why I'm about to say what I'm about to say. <clears throat> it is perhaps one of the most selfish things you could ever do. I'm not speaking about anybody that has done it. I'm talking for us that are alive here today. Understand this. What you're trying to escape, you will put on your dearest friends and family tenfold. Please try to find a way to work through it. Confide in somebody. Get counseling. Get a prayer group. Come to the Now Recovery group on Tuesdays. Do something that, that will do everything in your power because the enemy wants you to kill yourself, <clears throat> to kill your ministry, to kill your spirituality. It might be spiritual suicide. It might be just leaving God, leaving the church. It could be anything like that. The enemy wants you to, uh, to kill you and, to, and the hope of your future. And that's why some of that happens because they see no way out. They see no hope for future. And God is all about future. Most people that do that are only looking at their past and say, I see no way out. I see no way around this. And so they're so focused on their past that they don't get themselves out of it. And yet God is all about redemption. God is all about restoration. God is all about rebuilding your future. God is all about fresh starts and new beginnings. That's why we have a new birth. That's why we can start over again. That's why we can take on a new identity. Psalm 118, starting at verse 5, I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I say to my desires upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations compassed about me, but in the name of the Lord, 
Lord, I will destroy them. They can pass about me, yea, they can pass about me. But in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. They can pass me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns. For the name of the Lord, I will destroy them. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and my song and is become my salvation. Here's how you know that you can relate to this today. You've lost your song. You used to sing. You used to whistle. You used to hum. But somewhere in your journey, you're just getting by. You don't sing when you're gulping for air. You don't, you don't have the energy, the strength. You don't have the peace to sing if you're just, just getting by. I'm here to tell you today that the Lord is going to restore your song. You're going to know that this is for you when you find yourself, maybe not even on purpose, that you're going to find yourself whistling, humming, singing. You're going to find yourself randomly while you're going to work, while you're getting up, while you're doing your chores, while you're doing whatever. You're going to find yourself randomly singing, and you're going to know that the Lord is doing a work in your heart and in your life. He's bringing the restoration because you're getting your song back. You still love God, you're still saved, you haven't fallen into sin, but you've lost your song. And you're going to know that you're living again when you get your song back. Amen. goes on to say in verse 15, the voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of righteousness. And the right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live. Yeah. <coughs> And declare the works of the Lord. You're not only going to get your song back, you're going to get your testimony back. You will find yourself declaring the Lord again. You will find yourself talking about the goodness of the Lord again. You've never lost your testimony. It's always been there. He doesn't, the things that he's done for you hasn't gone away, but our ability to talk about it and brag about it has. Verse 18, the Lord chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. It's possible to be alive but not living. I'm asking somebody here today to reconsider enjoying the journey. If you're going to be here, you're going to live. If you're going to be here, you're going to enjoy it. If you're going to be here, you're going to do what God has called you to do. You're going to pull your shoulders back and say, I'm going to live the abundant life that God has in store for me. I'm not going to stay beaten down. I'm not going to stay uh, sad. I'm going to lift up my head and lift up my voice and walk in my God-called purpose and walk in the destiny God has designed for me. I'm going to understand my place and my role in eternity. I'm going to spend my life well. No matter how short or long your life is here, it is well spent if you invest in eternal things. Don't spend your life on this life only. Here's where you'll miss the mark on this message. <clears throat> if, you, if you think that all I'm talking about is just stuff and here. 
Because then how does this message from the Lord even fit if something happens to me? Because if it's in the context of eternity and I've lived to the fullest in eternity with the goal of eternity and I'm enjoying the things, my family, the stuff that God has given me, the, the toys, the hobbies, the, the vacations, and I enjoy all those things but still have my eyes set on eternity. And not just on these things, not just on stuff. But I also say I'm going to enjoy the stuff and the things. But I'm keeping my eyes on eternity. I'm keeping my eyes on what God has in store for me. That way, if I live short or if I live a long time, either way, I'm still stacking up treasures in eternity. I'm still doing what God has called me to do. I'm still leaving an impact on this planet that will outlast me, that will outlive me. If I don't accomplish all I want to accomplish with all the wealth and the things that I may want to accomplish, it doesn't matter as long as I get it done for eternity. I want us to stand to our feet today. Matthew 16, 25. Then, Jesus, uh, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny thyself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That's how I bring balance to this whole message. Am I guaranteeing everybody here that you're going to live till you're in your 90s? No. It's not what this message is for. This message is for whatever season we're here that we live it to the fullest, and that we live it with intentionality, that we live it in a way that we know that, that we are living in a way that is pleasing to God, <clears throat> that we are living it in a way that, 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 that God is pleased and that we are bringing glory to Him, and that we're not just trying to get by day by day. And if that's your season right now, then so be it, but make sure it's only for a season. Don't ever let the enemy get you to think that that's your new normal. <clears throat> it's just the way it is. No, it's not. Look at your neighbor and say it with authority. Thou shalt live. It is not his intention for us to be in some beat down place. So, some place of, 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 of totally being down and in the cave and in a dark place. That is not his will. <clears throat> it's our time to pull our shoulders back. And what better time of year. I, I don't know why God gave it to me this week. Perhaps it's because we're starting a new year. And what better way to set a resolution in our minds. Today's my day. I'm standing on his word. 2023 is going to be a new dawn for me. It's a new day. It's a new, it's a new life. I want us to lift our voices right now. And if you feel like this message is for you, then I just want you to begin to thank him. Thank him for speaking to your heart. Thank him for speaking to your mind. Thank him, Lord. Thank, thank the Lord for, for, for giving you this rhema word that you're going to live, that you're going to live. 
Oh, I thank you, Lord. Is there anybody here that felt like this is you? That you feel like this is the, this is the message for you? That you have been where I have? That you have been looking through the lens of being beaten down? That you're just trying to get by? If that is you, I want you to make your way to this altar right now. I don't want you to hesitate. But you march your way up here and say, I'm receiving this message. This message is for me, and I'm going to claim this as a new day. Today is a fresh start. Today it's a new beginning. 